Hello from super snowy Smithville, Ohio. I'm Todd Martin from Smithville Mennonite Church, and I'm thrilled God has given us a few minutes together to be in his word right now. We're going to hear a scary story from the Bible that turns out wonderfully in the end, so I hope you'll stick around till the end. But now, I'd like to pray before we begin. Oh Lord, help us to hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'd like to ask you the question, what is a human soul worth? How much does it cost to recruit and send a missionary? Well, the answer to both of those questions is a lot. And this is why Jesus would do whatever it takes to make a disciple and then send him or her on a mission. But what would we do? What would we give, lose, invest, or release to save a soul or send a saint on mission? Now, Jesus called 12 disciples. And they followed him closely. And we could probably name a few of them. Uh, we could learn the names if we wanted to. Some people did. In fact, a lady at my church sang a little song last week uh, that named all of the disciples. And it was really awesome. If you want to go see that video, you can on our website, smc585.org. Just go to the YouTube channel and you can hear the 12 disciples. But there were other disciples Jesus called and sent as well. I consider them to be some of the first missionaries for Jesus. These people, just like Well Woman, who we met last week, met Jesus, experienced a miracle, then ran off to tell people about Jesus. This side of heaven, we'll never know all the disciples Jesus saved and sent, but because we, who call ourselves Christians, over on this side of the world, are even here, it's evidence that global outreach of the gospel works. Thankfully, captured in scripture are some of those first missionaries' stories. Now, these were often men and women who were very much on the edge of society. Outcasts and misfits who are changed by Jesus then were sent to tell the world their stories. And let the world know there is healing and hope available for everyone in Jesus' name. But reaching those first missionaries was dangerous and costly. And it still is. Now this challenges us to consider how far would we go to see lives transformed by Jesus? What would we risk or even lose to save a soul that might go on to be a disciple or a missionary for Jesus. Well, I like to boil down your sermon in a sentence. For those who don't have uh, the time to listen to the whole sermon, let me give you the sermon in a sentence really quick. Here it is. If you want to write it down, that would be a good idea. Making disciples can be dangerous and costly, but they are always worth it. And we must believe that. Let me give it to you one more time. Making disciples can be dangerous and costly, 
but they, that is disciples and missionaries, are always worth it. And we must believe that. Now, I'd like you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to land, right at the beginning, verses 1 through 20. Now, if you don't have a Bible, I sure hope you stick around till the end of the message. And I'm going to tell you how to get one. Today's title, actually I should say titles of today's message is How the Wild Man Was Won and also Mr. Amazing. And you'll see by the end of this message why I call him Mr. Amazing. So by now I hope you've gotten your Bible out and you've opened to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Well, friends, from verses 1 through 5, what I hope you catch is, here's why people with problems seek Christians out. Here is why people with problems seek Christians out. Then I just ask you this application question, what will we do with them? What will we do with people with problems that seek us out? Now look hard at verse 2. Isn't this exactly who you'd want greeting you? Why is it that people with problems are attracted to Christians? Well, it's because people with problems were attracted to Jesus. What if they see Jesus in us? What if the attraction is actually a deep spiritual need to be helped, freed, or just loved like Jesus would? So often, people with problems arrive like this man does, in a big mess. Now try to get a picture of this guy in the text. He's been living in the tombs. He's been cutting himself. Now, in Luke chapter 8, where the parallel story is, is told, it tells us for a long time he had worn no clothes. This reminds me of a story uh, of a kid in my youth group who went to work at a nursing home. And uh, this particular kid was, was actually a very proper uh, young lady, and she went to this nursing home, and on her first day, she heard a, a door alarm go off. And so she went down the hall and saw a nurse uh, pop out the door and say, hey, Charlie just took off down the road. Uh, you need to go catch him. And so she went out the door, and she saw this uh, man running across the yard, and she thought, well, he's an older man. I'll catch up with him pretty quick. Well, as she got closer and closer, she realized the man has no clothes on. What do you do with a naked man? Well, I'll just tell you, she, she was able to uh, catch him 
on the sidewalk and uh, talk him back over to the nursing home. But the question remains, what do you do with a naked man? Now, that's part of who this man was. But then also, we read that he was supernaturally strong. Friends, you need to know, this guy didn't just come from a church picnic. No, I I didn't have a picture to put up on the screen when I preached this, because the picture in your head is probably enough. What if the messed up people God has put in your life aren't there just to test your patience and make you a better person? But what if those people are actually future missionaries and disciples of Jesus? Here is a raging naked man running at you. What do you think you should do? Should you run away or should you act like Jesus? Well, let's see what he did. Again, in Mark chapter 5, verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Well, what I know you need to remember from verses 6 through 10 is, With Jesus, the demons must submit. Oh, friends, please write this down. With Jesus, the demons must submit. Then I ask for application question, do you believe this is true? Do you believe it's true that with Jesus, the demons must submit? Hope is here. Here is power we can really uh, not understand, but we must claim. There is such a disconnect between our world and Jesus' world. Hollywood has helped the devil and his minions seem incredibly powerful and utterly terrifying. And you know, friends, they really are until Jesus walks in the room. Then they have to fall on their knees and beg and plead because a power greater than them has just arrived. Friends, if only we could see that the devil and all his demons must submit to Jesus and all who have Jesus in themselves. Friends, if we could only grasp the spiritual power and authority we have in Jesus. Do you remember in the gospel, Jesus constantly said, do not be what? Do you remember what, that, what he says all the time? Do not be afraid. So often we are running scared, mostly because we bought into the lie that evil is stronger than good, that darkness is stronger than light, and it's just not true. 
You know, when I preach this sermon, and if you want to go see it, again, you could see the lady who sang the disciple songs, but you can also see uh, when I got to this point in the sermon, I turned off all the lights in the sanctuary so it was dark. And then I pulled out a big flashlight and flashed the flashlight all around the sanctuary. And it was to prove the point that darkness must flee. It's the same in the physical world as it is in the spiritual. But do we believe it? That when the light comes on, we the darkness must flee. Oh, friends, if we are even a little serious about being mission-minded, which is the goal of this sermon series to make us more mission-minded, we better be ready to realize that we are charging into the darkness of our world and we better have light ready to shine. We better be ready to stand firm in the face of wild, even naked and shouting people who are consumed by evil and seek to set them free by the power of Jesus. Are you afraid? I know I am when I try to face the darkness of our world on my own. But when I remember Jesus is not just with me, but within me, I can face anything because I have the light of Christ that will dispel any darkness, any evil. You know, this reminds me of a story when I was in youth ministry, uh, we ministered to some kids down in Tuslaw. There had been uh, a suicide, uh, accidental death that happened there. And a number of the, the kid who died friends uh, wanted to get together. And we formed sort of a, a grief group with them that met at my church. And one night the kids showed up. And they were all terrified. They said the, that they were almost run off the road by this big black car that was chasing them all the way to the church. Well, I went outside uh, to see if this car had followed them. And sure enough, this car was out in the parking lot doing donuts and throwing gravel all over the place. And I went out the door of our church and the kids followed me. And then I heard the door shut behind me and it went ka-chunk, which is the sound of a door locking behind me. Well, here's this raging black car uh, whipping around in the parking lot, and I then it pulls up and stops. And so I try to see if there's a license plate. on. There's no license plate, and the windows are all tinted, and it's black. And then I realize, oh, I can't get back in the church. But then it just felt like the Lord said, walk over to that car. And so I started walking and this car started backing up. It wouldn't even let me get close to it. And then finally it whipped around and took off out of the parking lot. And you know what? That car had no license plate on the back either. And for those who know me know that I'm a car guy. I still can't tell you what kind of car that was. Friends, it was a demonic manifestation. It was a, a dark force that was at work to stop these kids from coming to our church. But it had to run away. It had to flee because the power of Jesus was there. Now, friends, I just want you to know, you don't need to be afraid of the darkness and of evil because 
when Jesus shows up, the demons will run. And I hope you stick around till the end to hear a song about that too. Now let's get back in our Bibles at Mark chapter 5, verse 11. Here we go. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, I just have to say, uh, for verses 11 through 17, I would just zero in on verses 15 through 17 and say this. Here are some of the saddest verses in the Bible. Verses 15 through 17, and I will tell you why. But first, an application question. Pigs or a person? You pick. Pigs or a person? You pick. Which is the more important? Pigs or or a person. Now, Porky and his pals paid the price. There's no doubt about that. This is a vivid picture of what the devil wants to do with all living things. He wants to kill them. Demons, the devil's minions, are both restless and lazy. They need something to do all the time, something to kill or make miserable. Now, they tormented this man, but they couldn't or wouldn't kill him. So they were just content and wanted to just live in him as long as they could. And they kept inviting their friends. Demons are soul squatters. They move in where they don't belong and they stay way too long. It sounds like they may have tried to kill this man with cutting. But even this man bared the image of God and God had a plan for this tormented man. Well, the pigs were not so blessed. The pigs don't bear the image of God. And obviously, the demons had their way and killed them as quick as they could. Poor piggies. But they weren't as poor as their sad owners. Here is a crucial point of decision. What is a human soul really worth? Is it worth two pigs? 20 pigs? 200 pigs? 2,000 pigs? You know, it reminds me of a joke I heard once. Uh, a man and his wife were traveling in the Middle East, and uh, one day a rich sheik came up to the man and said, I will give you 200 camels for your wife. And the husband stood there for a while and had kind of a furrowed brow. And, and then after a bit, he looked at the sheik and said, No, of course not. That, that No way. No deal. The sheik walked away and the wife kind of came up to the husband and said, 
Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, but uh, what took so long? And the husband just said, Well, I was trying to figure out how I could get 200 camels on that plane. Now, that's not a very good joke, but a worse joke, uh, and this, actually, this isn't a joke at all. Did you hear recently that uh, over on the East Coast, there's a university hospital where they did a heart transplant and they used a pig's heart to replace a man's heart. And as far as I know, the man is still alive. He's doing okay. But what I found very sad was there were protesters out in front of the hospital protesting that the life of the pig was sacrificed for a man. Oh, friends, it's the same spirit as these owners of pigs. When does the cost tip the scale? And we say, nope, that's not worth it. That person is not worth it. Friends, I hope we know that people are worth infinitely more than pigs. And they always will be. Now, we've been on the radio for a while now, and you probably should know that it costs about $1,000 a month. And I have a few devoted donors that keep us on the air. And about every six months, we talk about the investment they are making. And it often comes uh, around that thousands of dollars is spent, but is still worth it if one soul is saved. Now that is mission-minded thinking. In fact, I just heard uh, the other week, as I, as I said, uh, on last week's broadcast, that Derek the truck driver recently reached out and said he's glad for his messages. And I'm glad we can deliver them, but it's costly. Yet these greedy townsfolk saw pigs over people. They looked at all they lost compared to what they found, and they said, he's not worth it. And I get it. This guy was a menace. Those uh, 2,000 pigs were probably their livelihood. And they traded him, they traded their livelihood for this guy who was a mess. But now it seems has changed. You know, it's really hard to see people change. It's hard to believe people can change, even when it's for the better. But then... They even rejected Jesus. They pleaded with him to leave. Can you just imagine that? Can you imagine a bunch of people saying, please go away, Jesus. We don't want you around here freeing people from demonic oppression. Please go away. You see, they chose sows over the Savior. What will you choose now we're going to go back in our Bibles one more time in Mark chapter 5, verse 18. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, by the way, the Decapolis means the ten cities. How much Jesus had done for him. And all the people 
were amazed. You see, that's right why I call him Mr. Amazing, because all the people were amazed. Now, what I hope you get from verses 18 through 20 is how to go from madman to missionary. How to go from madman to missionary. Then I'm just going to ask, have you amazed or been amazed by anyone lately? Have you amazed or been amazed by anyone lately? Well, Jesus sent Mr. Amazing where he could have the greatest impact on the Gentile people of the Decapolis, that is the 10 cities. He would have had a greater impact than his Jewish disciples could. He wanted to stay with Jesus, but Jesus knew better, and he always does. Now, some missionaries need to be sent home. That was the case with Mr. Amazing. I believe God can use you wherever he calls you. And if he hasn't called you somewhere else, it means he's called you right where you are. At least for now. Friends, you need to realize home is still your first mission field. But maybe God wants you healed or freed before he sends you somewhere else. Maybe Jesus sent him home to be cared for, just like he was cared for by him and his disciples in this situation. Now, Clarence Jordan, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, says how we need to look at verse 15. What does it say the naked man now is? It says he's fully dressed. Well, how did that happen? Remember, there are 12 disciples around, and I can just hear Jesus saying, John, give him your shirt. James, he looks like your size of sandals. Hey, Matthew, you have that extra cloak. Give it to him. This man was healed by God, then covered by community in a beautiful act of giving up. Sharing what we have And seeing someone saved, served, and sent, even to his own hometown. Here we see a powerful example of how a person can be saved by God, and then served by God's people, and then sent to where God needs him to go. Friends, let's just review real quick, then I'll let you go. Who are the problem people in your life, and what will you do with them? Can you see them as future missionaries and disciples for Jesus? Oh, friends, hold on to that hope. Will you remember that with Jesus, the demons must submit that light always dispels darkness, that good of Jesus always overcomes the evil of the devil? And then pigs or persons, which will you pick? What would you be willing to give up? to see a soul saved and sent. Have you been amazed or been amazing lately? Oh, that we could be amazing even today. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for the witness of Scripture that is proof of transformed lives. And I ask now, Lord, that you would bless everyone who is listening, that they could indeed be amazing. Lord, I pray for freedom. If someone needs freed today from demonic oppression, that in Jesus' name, they would be set free. Lord, we know that darkness disappears when the light comes. So Lord, I thank you for the light of your word, and I pray that it would have shined brightly today.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And as always, if you need a Bible or just someone to pray with, you can reach out to me, Todd Martin, at Smithville Mennonite Church. I'll be so glad to hear you're listening. And if you're listening uh, much over the years, you know that I like to finish our messages with a song. And one of my favorite singers is a man named David Crowder. And his song, Run Devil Run, fits today's message powerfully. Play it loud and make the devil run too. Be blessed as you listen. Amen.